Father, we thank you for this morning. God, you're so awesome. God, we thank you for your presence that's here today. Lord, we thank you for the anointing. And Lord, we just believe today, God, as we crack open the book, as we open the word, Lord, we believe that you have uh, something unique and special, just handpicked, designed, God, for every one of us. And so, Lord, we just believe today, God, that as we pull up to your table and, God, prepare our hearts today that you're going to speak to us. And so, Lord, we just thank you that today you have liberty and freedom to say whatever you want to say and to do whatever you want to do in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, listen, this morning we're going to continue... Basically, our, our series that we've been calling Overcomers. This, if you're taking notes, this is part four. This was going to be the last one, but as I've been praying this week, I think we're going to add one more week, so we'll finish this up next week. I, I will say this, and, and i got to get moving here because i got a lot of notes, but... You know, I, I think the first sermon I ever preached, I was 18 years old, and I'm 39 now. And so I've been preaching for a while. But I, I think that this series has probably impacted my life maybe greater than any series I've ever preached. And so, uh, you, you know, I would just encourage you to come with an open heart. Man, ever since we, ever since we did that fast, Jesus has been wrecking me, and it's been really, really good. Anybody know what it's like to have the Lord hurt you and it's really good? Yeah, that's been me for the last, uh, I guess, two months or so. So anyway, so this is kind of the outcome of this stuff. So, all right, so let's read basically what the verse we've been saying is our foundational verse for this series. And it's uh, Revelation chapter 12. It says this, it says, For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. It says they overcame. Somebody say they overcame. Or they conquered, they prevailed against, or in redneck terms, man, they got victory over, right? Uh, the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So one of the main reasons I like this verse is because it, it reminds me of the fact that God has already positioned us to be overcomers. And so, you know, that, that if we're aware of it or not, that you know what, through this quote-unquote positioning, we already have the opportunity through Jesus to overcome or to prevail anything that, uh, that the devil will ever throw at us, any trial, any temptation, any attack. He's already put us in a position to win. Amen. Amen? That's great news. So, you know, as I said, though, over the past few weeks, just because God has positioned us to be overcomers, just because he sees us as overcomers, it doesn't necessarily mean that all Christians are actually living like one. I believe we would all agree with that, right? And, uh, you know, in my opinion, you know, there are several reasons, but I want to give you one more today. I keep giving you one every week, just trying to build on the thought. But here's another one. I'm going to tell you what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He said this. He said, at least Satan should take advantage of us. Notice that word, take advantage of us. For we are ignorant or uneducated of his devices. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, look, there's some Christians that are around here, man. Y'all got great hearts. You know, you're faithful. You're filled with love and zeal for God. But guess what? You struggle with overcoming the lies and the temptation and attacks of the enemy because you're unaware and uneducated about his tactics. In other words, so many Christians sit back today and they go, you know, for whatever reason, man, we don't even know who Satan is. We, you know, we don't even know how he works, and we don't even know how he tries to gain access into our lives. It's because of that lack of knowledge right there. He, what? It, it puts us at a disadvantage, and it gives him an advantage in our lives. Yes? You, you, you know, it's, all, it's almost like this. I, you know, this just flashed in my head. I don't know. I'm a little fella. I got, I got a few brothers that are way bigger than me. One of them at one time benched 500 pounds. I've probably ate that much in chicken in my life, but I've never lifted that, right? So, anyways, so... So, you know, it's almost like this. I remember being a little kid, and my older brother was three years older than me, and I was a little bitty runt fella, and, and he had some meat on him, right? And, and you know, he always, you know, slapped me around. He, he, he had the advantage. He had the weight advantage. But, but, you know, when it comes to the kingdom, it don't really matter who I am. Well, like we said this morning, there's Jesus. It gave me the advantage. Yeah. 
right? He gives me the advantage. Hopefully that makes sense. I just made that up on the fly. All right, so anyways, so, so it's kind of like this. It's because so many people, you, you know, basically don't understand what the devil's doing. It's like there's Christians that are just kind of suffering along, living a life of defeat. It's like year after year, month after month, they just, like they're just constantly losing. And we weren't called to lose. Amen? Yeah. The Bible fact, just kind of give you an idea. The Bible says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph, all right? So anyway, so I don't know about you, but I was thinking this, man, if, if I have been lied to, I think I'd want to know. I keep telling you this for a purpose. If I had been deceived, man, I'd want to know the truth. If I'm in bondage, man, I'd want to be free. If I was being tormented, I'd want peace. If I was being defeated, I certainly would want victory. If I was at a disadvantage, like I keep telling you here, I would want to learn how to get the advantage. Anybody with me? So listen, so the purpose of this series is basically that, is to help us get advantage. It's help us to identify the bondages that the enemy, uh, you know, has uh, some of us grasp in so we can do what? Not only identify it, but also confront that doggone thing, and then hopefully we can get free. Because why? Because God's called us to be overcomers, and we'll never overcome as long as we're in all this mess. Okay, so over the past few weeks, we have uh, talked about a few things. We've talked about overcoming a spirit of religion. That joker's ugly. We, we've talked about overcoming a spirit of confusion, overcoming a spirit of poverty is number two, overcoming a spirit of confusion is number three. And today what I want to do is I want to turn our attention to another trap of the enemy that he uses all the time in our lives, and it's simply this. It's called guilt. It's called guilt. So, you know, I think that every person in this room at some point in your life has experienced a measure of guilt. Yeah, I think we would all agree, right? And, uh, you know, whatever the details are that surround those feelings of guilt that we've had, I think we would all agree on one thing, that whatever the guilt is, whatever it looks like, right, or whatever the details are, is at the end of the day, that thing called guilt absolutely robs us, or robs from us, or takes from us, steals from us, the life and the joy and the freedom that Jesus intended for us to have. It's so true, right? It can suck the life right out of you. So anyway, so let me give you a quick foundation here before we dive into this. The first thing I want you to understand is this, is that, that guilt can only gain access or it can only enter into our lives through one way, and that's through accusation. Wow. It's through accusation. The, the word accusation literally means this. It means to charge or to blame someone with wrongdoing or to find fault for, what's the purpose? For the purpose of imputing or putting on guilt. So the whole purpose of an accusation is to, is to heap guilt on someone. So when we take that definition and, and we begin to, that definition, we begin to apply it actually to the life of a believer, all it takes is a simple overview of the Bible, and we can really find out pretty quick that God never accuses or he never uh, you know, throws accusations at any of his children. Is that true? Thank God for that. I'm saying that because a lot of times we, 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 we get confused about condemnation and conviction, and, and the devil's throwing accusation at us, and we think it's God when it's really not. Okay? We have to learn the difference between those two. Okay? So just once again, by chance today, if you've ever found yourself or if you maybe will find yourself in the future wrestling with guilt, I want you to recognize where it's coming from. It's not coming from God. It's coming from the devil. Okay? To make that really clear, it's coming from the devil. You know, I think so often when we think about the devil, we think about, you know, him being God's opponent, the one that hates God. We think about him being the enemy. We think about him being the one that uh, resists and opposes and hinders everything that's good, everything about the kingdom. When we think about the devil, we think, uh, man, he, he is the definition of evil, and he's behind every evil thing in this world. But did you know, I didn't know this until actually studying this, that, that the word devil actually means this. It actually means false accuser or a slanderer. 
That that's what it means, a false accuser or a slanderer. So this is why, and this is kind of where we're going. Once again, this is all just for foundation purposes here. But this is why Jesus referred to the devil or Satan, which also means accuser. This is why he calls him the accuser of the brethren. So, you know, that tells us this, okay? And, and this is just a thought here I want to throw at you. That, that when God came and he said, hey, look, he, he is the accuser of the brethren. He wasn't trying to give him another name. What he was doing is, is he was giving us an accurate description of his character and of his nature. Do you get that? He was trying to say, in other words, when, when, when you know, the devil is not schizophrenic and has 8,000 names, right? The thief, right? The murderer, right? The father of lies, the uh, accuser of the brethren. All those things, once again, are nothing more than an accurate description of his character. God is trying to say, this is who he is. Okay? So... This might be uh, kind of stating the obvious here, but I want you to notice something. Notice it says the accuser of the brethren. Now, who's the brethren? The, the brethren is simply this. It's all of those, all of us that have made Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives. That's who it's talking about, okay? So, so when, I, when I understand that, it, then I figure out this, that, that obviously the devil never comes to bring accusation or to accuse a person who is not a believer, and the reason he doesn't do that is because he doesn't need to, because those people are already guilty before God. Yeah. God already sees them as being guilty. Let, let me show you a verse here in John chapter 3, 17 and 18. It says, whoever believes in him, right, that's us, is not condemned, right? You're, you're condemned when you're what? Guilty. It says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned or guilty already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So when it comes to this, the devil making accusations against his children, he really does this for two purposes. The number one purpose that he does it for is he tries to change God's heart toward us. So he stands before God and hurls accusations against us to hopefully that God will view us different than what he views us. That's not going to change anything. It's not going to work. Thank God for that, right? God's smarter than him, but it doesn't keep him from trying. The second reason, this is really where it comes to our world and lands on us, and it's why we're talking about today, is uh, when the devil brings accusation, it's an attempt to steal our worth and to steal our identity and ultimately to steal the revelation that Jesus put in our hearts through the Holy Spirit of basically what he accomplished for us through the cross and resurrection. Do you, do you get that? In other words, you'll, maybe you'll see it more in a second, but, but he literally tries to take away what God has done in your life. Okay? So, so I'll say this, and then we'll, then we'll get going where we want to get going today. Basically this, outside of temptation... You know, where the devil comes and tries to tempt us to sin. This is the, probably the most frequent and the most insistent attack that the enemy ever brings our way. Okay? I think if we stop and look at our lives, it, it's truth. And, you know, in fact, this morning, it, I, I love how this works. It's like this morning I'm standing over here and, and I'm having to deal with guilt for the sense of this, that I didn't pray this morning as much as I normally do. Right? Like it depends on, you know, obviously there's, my relationship didn't start this morning with God. <laughs> you know? So, so, because, you know, whatever, family's going, whatever, I had two little kids this morning. Anyways, it changed everything. You, you're not going to go to the throne room with a five-year-old and a three-year-old all in your grill. It's just, you know, good luck, you know? So, anyways, but, but that's how the enemy works. It's like he works in these little areas. A lot of times we think it's in these massive areas. But let's look today even in the small areas where he just tries to get on us, all right? So, all right, here we go. Three areas where we will have to contend with the accuser of the brethren. We're going to start with the obvious. Number one, here we go, is being accused personally by the devil. 
being accused personally by the devil. Sean, come here real quick. Yeah, you. You're, yep, you. He's like, I love watching people in church. Hey, come here. Just stand right there, bro. You're awesome. So, you don't have to do anything weird, so it's okay. All right, here we go. Anyways, so remember the scripture that we start off with today, Revelation twelve eleven. It says, for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them or accuses us. Can somebody say us? It says, before our God, day and night. Let me, let me actually give you the, uh, a visual of this so you can kind of understand it. Basically, the, the Bible gives us a beautiful picture of how this plays out in Zechariah chapter 3. So this is my volunteer. And uh, today, ba- basically, what I want you to know is that in Zechariah chapter 3, God basically gave Zechariah a vision. And in the vision, he saw a man named Joshua. This is Joshua today. And Joshua wasn't just some ordinary man in Israel. He was actually the high priest of Israel. He was like the top dog as far as in, basically, when it came to Jehovah, when it came to God in the entire nation. And uh, basically, you know, just so you can understand, as far as part of what Joshua's responsibility would have been is as the high priest is he would have had to go into the Holy of Holies. In other words, we all know, right, you, you have the outer courts, the inner courts, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then you had the curtain. You step into the Holy of Holies, right? You had to go beyond the curtain. And that's where basically only the priest could go. And he would go once a year. And the reason he would go there is because he would make a blood sacrifice so that the people's sins, the nation of Israel, that their sins could be forgiven. Are you all tracking? Okay, so, so part of what's interesting about this is obviously before he could do that, because it was a pretty significant deal, he would go through an elaborate, uh, elaborate cleansing process, a purification process, so that when he made sure when he passed through that curtain, when he stood before God, he was right. He was clean before God. Okay, now what was so interesting is how historically they actually set up some precautionaries there just in case he wasn't clean. So what they would do is, as far as a, as a priest, when his robe, basically they would put bells on it. You know, there's spiritual meanings of all that. But part of it was, is when he was in there and he was moving around, the people who couldn't enter in, who were standing on the other side of the curtain, could hear him moving around because that told him that what? He's alive. So, you know, but in case things went south quick, what they did is they actually would tie a rope to his ankle and they would basically, you know, the rope would be out and he would just kind of, you know, drag his end in. And in case everything didn't, uh, you know, there was no jingling going on, they would give it a little tug. And if he gave a little tug back, he was good. (laughs) But if there was no tug back, that meant things went wrong, that he wasn't clean. And then they would drag his dead body out. Now, you think that's crazy, but oral tradition tells us that they drug a few priests out. So it did happen. So as you can tell, when Joshua did this, clearly knowing that he, this wasn't something he took flippantly that day. It wasn't something he took lightly. You know, he, he squared himself away before he went in. Are y'all following me? Okay. All right. Good deal. So let's pick up the story. Uh, man, I'm picking on you today. Come on up, because you just got that awesome beard. Mr. Bob, talking to you. Yeah. Yes. Here we go. Duncan's come here. I'll just go quick. Noah, come here real quick. That, that Noah. Noah. Freaking Hauser. All right. Yeah, just stand here. Noah, you stand over there. Mr. Bob, if you can sit on the stool there. If you can sit on the stool. Yeah, if you sit on the stool. Yeah, because you got that beard. Go, go. No, no, leave it up there. Yep, leave it up there. It's there for purpose. <laughs> Duncan's just asked if he could be the good guy. Um, you're, you're the good guy today. Don't worry about it. Y'all laughing, and, and this person's here today, but the last time I did this, and, and, uh, and someone was the devil, and, uh, you, you, you know, you, you were in that spot last yeah, time. Was, uh, 
But but so funny, we went home. That was I was like a guy that was like a second time here, and we went home, and Jim was like, "Do you think he's going to come back to the church after you, after you made him the devil?" I'm like, "Babe, come on, really?" Anyway, so all right, that's a that's a feeler for you, Miss Vicky. Anyway, so. All right, so let's pick up the story here. So Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it says this. It says, Then the guiding angel, which we know in other translations, really God, showed me, Zechariah, Joshua, the high priest, and once again, this is the Amplified, representing disobedience and sinful Israel. Get that. No pressure, right? It says he was standing before the angel of the Lord. Okay? So theologically, the angel of the Lord is always who? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. So he stands for Jesus, right? We know that's God the Father right there just because he's got that beard rocking right there, okay? So, and it says this, and not only was he standing there, you think this awesome moment with Jesus and the Father, but it says that old Satan, or they say in the country, old Slewfoot, right? I don't know if you ever heard that. But anyways, that Satan was standing at Joshua's right hand. There you go. It says, why, why was he standing there? Y'all look at this. No, Whatever. But y'all are supposed to be facing God. That's why we said it. In case you were wondering, we did not rehearse this. Anyway, so it says, And Satan standing at Joshua's right hand to, for what reason? To be his adversary and to accuse him. So the whole purpose for showing up was to do what? To point out Joshua's faults. To do what? To show all the things that he had did wrong. Now, I just got a question for you today, kind of pause in the story here. H- have any of you guys ever felt like you've been in that spot? Where, where it's like this, you, you just want to be in God's presence, but, but for some reason, you know, you're sitting, you're just going, man, I, I, want to, I want to worship, man, I want to read my Bible, I want to pray, but man, you just cannot silence the voice of the enemy that's going on in your mind. It, it's like you're just wanting to have this awesome time with God, and, and the devil there is unmercifully throwing every weakness, every mistake, every regret, every sin, every bit of your past back up in your face. Am I the only one? Listen, I can tell you from personal experience that he not only wants to, you know, try to make us feel guilty, but he also wants to make us feel dirty, wants to make us feel worthless. He wants to make us feel stupid, inept, unqualified, and even, guess what, unsaved. Right? Listen, it's that hateful voice that I think every person in this room has heard that it's not just that, man, you did something wrong, but you are wrong. See, I, you know, once again, I don't know how it worked for you, but I remember I going through a season in my Christian walk, early on in my Christian walk, I remember every night I would go and lay in bed, and I would just have these pictures of all this stuff that I did just kept coming to me, coming to me, coming to me, coming to me, until I finally stood my ground and fought against it. Yeah. Are, you, are you following me? Anybody ever been there, right? Maybe you've never made mistakes. I have, all right? <laughs> so let's get to you in the story. Let's pick it up. It says, it says in verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, now, remember, catch the picture. Here he is. He is just blasting Joshua to God. you got to see this. you got to see this. you got to see this. And I love what God's response is. He, he said this, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Forget about Joshua. The Lord rebukes you. Even the Lord, who now and ever has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a log snatched and rescued from the fire? Jude talks about, basically the book of Jude, talks about us being snatched from the fire, being snatched from the, the grips of hell. And so when, when it says this, talking about that log, he's talking about, yes, uh, the, the nation that Joshua is representing, but he's also talking about Joshua himself. And then it says this, and watch this. I kind of wish he would have said this before this. But this is the order, so we're going to go with it. It says in verse 3, it says, Now Joshua was clothed. Get that, now. 
now. Do you understand that? Now. So, you know, he went in, I guess, looking good. He started blasting him. And then now, now at this moment, right, it says this, that Joshua was clothed with filthy, nauseatingly vile garments. And was standing before the angel of the Lord, standing before Jesus, right? Now, listen, as we've already mentioned, for a priest, filthy garments was a really bad thing. Tug, tug, right? Because why? Because it meant that Joshua was not right. He was not pure before God. Even though he thought he was clean, guess what? When the, when the devil showed up, then he realized he wasn't clean. The devil knew it. He knew it. And guess what? God knew it. And nowhere in this story does anyone deny it. Because <laughs> it was the truth. You all follow me? So, so according to all of this truth, guess what? He deserved to die. And the devil was there to make sure it happened. So remember, this is kind of funny, and this is important, though. Listen to this. you got to remember that this entire scenario, he just wanted to come have a good time with God, right? And then all this happens. This was the scenario he was trying to avoid when he spent all that time cleaning himself up. Are you all getting that? Because we do that. <laughs> Try to clean ourselves up. But, but here's what's so awesome about God's love. Watch this. In that moment, he didn't rebuke Joshua, as we just saw, And the reason is because he knew Joshua didn't have the ability to clean himself up anyways. In fact, Joshua's very name was the constant reminder who really had the power to cleanse and save him. If you don't know today, the name Joshua means what? God is my salvation. God is my salvation. Quentin is not Quentin's salvation. God is my salvation. Y'all feeling me today? So what do you do? He, he didn't rebuke Joshua. He actually rebuked the accuser. He put the devil in his place, y'all. I love it, right? He, he, yes, Bow. <laughs> Listen, that he reminded Satan of what? Guess what? That, that he wasn't the judge. There's only one judge, and that's Papa. Amen, right? So there's, he wasn't the judge. Guess what? And because he wasn't the judge, he didn't have a right to judge God's children. That's good news, isn't it? Listen to the way First John. So if Paul's right there in Zechariah. I love the way First John puts this. You can throw it up. It says this. It says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. It says, But if anyone does sin, because we all do, we have an advocate. We have a defense attorney. That's what that means. We have a defense attorney who pleads our case before the Father. Get that. Who pleads our case. I love that says before the Father. It says, He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. You, you know, it's just, in, in, you know, in my mind, I know some of y'all, y'all people that have been in the church for a while, you've heard the Carmen song, Courtroom. But, uh, but it, it's, really, it's really this, that in this moment, you know, Jesus really doesn't have to say anything. All he has to do is throw up a hand. Right? Look at the hole. Jesus, Right? Father, remember what I did for, for Josh there. I did it. I did. It's his righteousness, right? So here's what's so cool. Let's, let's keep reading. Back in verse 4, Zechariah. It says that he spoke to those. Get this. So God began to speak to all of those around, because obviously he just wasn't there by himself, who stood before him saying this, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to Joshua, See, I have caused your wickedness, your sin, to be taken away from you, and I will clothe and beautify you with rich robes of forgiveness. Man, then, 
We can stop right there and sing five more songs and go home. Basically, it's this, that he removed the filthy rags and he put on him robes of righteousness. Man, isn't that great news? Listen, this is a prophetic picture of what Jesus, because once again, this was before Jesus came, but it's a prophetic picture of what Jesus, our high priest, accomplished for us through his blood. You've you got to remember that the moment that we repent of our sins and believed in, believed in God, right, uh, salvation caused a divine exchange. Right At that moment, when we, when we believed in Jesus, what happened? That all of our sin was nailed to that cross, right? Jesus took it, nailed it to the cross, and in return, he, get, he gave us his righteousness. I love what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Man, that's good. Anybody happy for a divine exchange? So here's what I love. So, you know, I know we're talking about Joshua here, but for all of us today, it's this, man, that God has declared us. The, the, the theological word is really justification. But, but it's this, that he has cleansed, uh, not cleansed of our sins, but he's declared us not guilty. And by declaring us not guilty, he silenced the enemy. Shut it up, dude. Right? Let me give you one last verse, and, and these amazing guys will grab a seat. Colossians 2 says it this way, just to kind of bring this point home. It says, then God made you alive with Christ, and he forgave all. Somebody say all. all. All our sins. It says he canceled, get this, he canceled the record of the charges against us. Man, isn't that so good? The charges that, that the enemy had against us, man, he, he canceled those things out. And it says that he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He disarmed the accuser of the brethren. And he shamed him and them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, guys. You can grab a seat. All right, so here's the point, we gotta, and we got to get on the pony and move here. But li- listen, the, the point is this, is that through Jesus, we've already overcome. Get that? We have already overcome the accuser. We've already overcome guilt, uh, not once, but for all of eternity. That's great news, right? So, uh, which means this, just kind of a thought for you. Once again, I've told you this before, it's just the way my mind works. But if, if the enemy tries to come and throw guilt on you, remember... The other, the other uh, you know, character-describing name, whatever title, that, that, that God gave him, which, once again, was the Father of Lies. So when he tries to say that you're guilty before the Father and you've got to be punished and all those things, j- just thank him for, once again, because he doesn't have the ability to tell the truth, thank him for reminding you that you've been declared guilty. And remind him, once again, God's already silenced him. <laughs> you, you, you know, so often, y'all, y'all listen to me. Let, so often it's really this, and, and maybe I don't point this out enough. You, you know, when, when it comes, it doesn't mean we have to run into the, the claws and pray for five hours to get rid of something. It's really simple as that. Devil, in the name of Jesus, shut up. I've been forgiven. Done. Move on. Why? Because it's got to, it, it, he has to bow. <laughs> right? And it's not us. It's the name of Jesus. All right, here we go. Second way we will contend with the accuser of the brethren. This is much quicker. Number two is by accusing ourselves. Accusing ourselves. And don't act like this is not you and you haven't done it before because we all have. It, but, but basically it's this. It's by coming into agreement with what the enemy's accusations are against us. 
That's all that's in this area. It's just coming in agreement with the enemy. And here's what's so funny is that God, God himself, right, can disregard the accusations. But I want to ask you a question. Can we? God can disregard them, but can we disregard them? So, so this might sound strange, but over the years I've learned this, that if the devil can't get God to condemn us, then he will try his best to get us to condemn ourselves through self-inflicted guilt. See, so just ask a quick question. How do we know if, we struggle, if we're struggling or if we have struggled with self-inflicted guilt? Let me give you a few things here. You know that you're struggling with it if you always feel like you're being judged. Have you ever met those people that say, man, I always feel like everybody's judging me. Everybody's not judging them. They're constantly living because they're, they're judging themselves. And they're putting themselves in that pressure. And they're releasing that around them, right? So they feel that way. Another thing is this, is that they always think about their past and how they messed it up. Do you understand that? I messed up my, my marriage. I'm not, you know, I messed up my marriage. I messed up that job opportunity I had. I messed up that relationship. It's, it's like they're always focused on that. Maybe, maybe a different way to say it is this, is, is that they tend to be more focused on the past than they do the future. So a, another thing as far as self-inflicted, how do you know if you're struggling with it is this, is that they have this type of people, they have uh, no problem forgiving others, but they have a great difficulty in forgiving themselves. So how do you know if you struggle with it? It's, it's because you, you walk around and you always have to point out your faults to other people. There's this self-depreciation, this devaluing that you always got to, basically, I'm going to go, and, and before you can do it to me, I'm going to do it because I'm really feeling guilty inside, so I got to let you know what's wrong with me. Y'all have never done that. It's being consumed with feelings of worthlessness. It's, it's, it's feeling like we got to be punished when we sin. It's, it's this thing that we tend to blame ourselves when something goes wrong. Something happens in your house. Well, automatically, that conflict, it's your fault. That issue, it's your fault. It's me. It's mine. It's never anybody else. It's always me. And the last one is this, man. You just focus on uh, your filthy rags more than you focus on his righteousness. See, all of these things are unhealthy indicators that we have stepped into the role of the accuser of the brethren in our own lives. Do you get that? It's like literally the devil, the devil went boom, 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 and you receive, 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 and he didn't have to mess with you anymore because you're handling that role yourself fine. Here's the danger of this, just, just so you know. When you're constantly in that state of mind, it absolutely destroys your intimacy, the opportunity to have intimacy with the Father. Kills it, okay? And the devil knows it, and so um, confront it, amen? And, and the, reason, the reason it kills intimacy is because you tend to be more self-focused than God-focused. All right, so once again, here's kind of the point. Jesus just didn't die to... Uh, you know, silence the accuser, but also to silence the accuser that's in us. He died so that we could overcome the accuser that lives in us. That's another way of saying it. Third way. Here we go. This is this is the the most. I, I, this is one maybe that I wants to hear more than any of the other things. I think the top we can celebrate. Yes, thank you, God. Uh, the second one, yeah, do some self evaluation. This is the one I really want us to. Uh, Jesus, search my heart and clean the house. Okay, so number three. The third way we will have to contend with the accuser of the brethren is by this, is by accusing one another. You know, a few weeks ago I made this comment. I said this. I said, I'm not so sure if we're ever more like the enemy than when we are critical of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I want to elaborate on that today. Okay? Yeah, I want to elaborate on that. Because it's this reason. 
I believe that the devil can't get God to condemn us. And if he can't get us to condemn ourselves, then he'll try his absolute best to get us to condemn one another out of self-righteousness. Once again, this is all kind of tied in with the religious spirit, if you remember. But, but let's kind of set some groundwork here. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 6, it says, For we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Okay? Anybody ever read that? Yeah. All right, so here's what, here's what that means. I think I said it in different translation there, but you got the point. Basically what this means is this, is that through salvation, we are a part of the body of Christ, right? And, and so physically we are here, but our spiritual positioning, we're sitting with Jesus because we're one with him at the right hand of the Father. And it's from that position of being in the throne room, that's where we come before the throne boldly in our prayers and in our worship. Are you all getting the picture here? So, so here's what I realized the other day is that... What happens when we stand before the throne room with a critical attitude towards other brothers and sisters in Christ? That what happens when our heart is always looking for what's wrong with people, pointing the finger to show all their faults and shortcomings? What happens when we have an attitude that wants to tear people down, to cause division, and to damage people's reputation? What happens when we have a judgmental eye, or we have a heart full of gossip and slander, or when we have the attitude that inwardly wants to see people punished? And it's in this sense that, that it's like, man, I just wish their sin would be brought to light so everybody could see who they really are. Y'all have never said that. So what happens when all of that's in our heart? I believe that as we stand before the throne of God, let me just say this. Is it maybe, let me ask, put it this way. Is it possible that we allow Satan to have use of our mouths to accuse and make accusations against our brothers and sisters in Christ? It, that, that maybe this, that we're unknowingly in that moment taking the characteristics and we're beginning to operate out of the nature of the enemy, who is the devil, who is the accuser of the brethren, and to say it this way, that the voice of the accuser is manifested in our lives. Y'all follow me. I give him the power to say it. So, so you, you know, there's this great debate. It, it doesn't really matter. There, there's this debate about if, if Satan really has access to the throne. Some people say no. Some people say yes. The difficult part is, is we just read one, and you see it in Job too. But, but let's say that that wasn't available, okay? He still has an opportunity through us to stand before the Father when we're motivated by him. Because, listen, as Christians, uh, we can still be motivated by the enemy. You know, you know if, if, you, if you haven't uh, ever been able to look back at your life and went, man, the devil straight played me and used me there, then you might not have been saved long enough because it's going to happen at some point. Where you're just like, crap. Right? I thought I was right. I thought what I was doing was from pure heart, but, man, I just got played. Right? So, I, you know, just some thoughts to add here. Maybe say this before I say that. When I began today, I know today's a little bit different than the other ones, but, but when I began studying for today, I thought we were going to talk about overcoming the accuser. And the more I studied, I realized that first we must overcome the accuser that's inside of us before we can effectively overcome the original accuser of the brethren. Y'all get that. And, and I literally sat there at my, at my kitchen table the other day, and I just went, God, I repent. God, I repent. You, you know, and, and, it's, and it's this, that it's, um, 
to kind of bring a balance. There's a difference. You know, I, I have a wife that, that is very, um, she's very opposite of me, if you haven't noticed. Um, and I love it because, you, you know, in some ways it seems like we contradict, but we actually complement one another very well. And, and there's times where I will go to Jen and go, Jen, this is the way I'm perceiving this person. This is the way I'm perceiving this situation. What do you think? That is not what we're talking about here. Okay? But, but what it is is, you know, when we're a lot of times behind closed doors, if we're texting or maybe we're on a phone call, and we think that, man, nobody can hear us, and we're giving somebody the business. Right? And we think in our hearts and our minds that God doesn't hear that. The only problem is the Bible says what is done in darkness will be exposed in the light. Right? And, and, and that's the part where it gets scary, where there's a holy fear that will be judged according to every idle word we speak. And so there's times where I have went, Jen, bye, 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 just as you have. Right? And, and, and basically I stepped in the position of the accuser. Man, that's, that's humbling. Yes? Um, so, you, you, know, you know, it's kind of like this. Here's some other thoughts kind of added with this or to this. Is I just begin to ask, man, what demonic clutter are we releasing over each other's lives? Listen to this. Everybody listen, please. If you don't get it, hopefully revelation will happen somehow. Here we go, okay? Is, is this. Is... If, if we believe that we have the ability to go, I bless them in Jesus' name, it has to go the other way. The Bible says life and death, right? To bless and to curse are in the power of the tongue. And it's not just with here when I'm telling them what's up. It's even when they're not around. You, you know, a few months ago, I, be, I began to live with a different uh, mindset has anybody ever seen that old movie, The Truman Show? Yes. And I begin to think, man, what, what if it's old Jim Carrey movie? Anyways, it's basically where he's being videotaped and he doesn't even know it. That's really what's happening. We're being videotaped by heaven and we don't even know it. <laughs> and, and I begin to think, man, if that person was here, would I say that? If they were standing in the room, would I say that about them? I'm a pretty honest fella. There's a lot of things I would say. But I may not say it the way I just said it. <laughs> I might have checked my words a little bit more and had a little bit more grace and a little bit more mercy. Right? And, and so, but anyways, so I thought, you know, just thinking about that, is as, as Christians that are here, what if some of the, the problems we're having in our life is because of what other Christians have been speaking over us? Because we've been trying to be the judge of each other. <laughs> Am I making any sense? You you, you know, it's this is, you know, another way of saying what demonic stuff are we opening even ourselves up to? Let let me, watch this. Let me say this. This is the key. What demonic stuff we open ourselves up to? There's a principle in the Bible that says that you will reap what you sow. Okay. That, that it says what? Shaking down, pressed together, running over. Give it to your bosom. We always talk about money, but it says basically, so as you have given, it will be given back to you. So, so what if us that are feeling like we're being unfairly judged, it's because we have set ourselves up to be judge of other people, and now we're just reaping what we sowed. 
shaking down, pressing together, running over. <laughs> Holy smokes. Right? I, you know, here's what's wild is uh, when, I, when I first got here, I would come in here, and I'm talking about two and a half years ago when we got here, and I would walk right here and I'd pray. And I cannot tell you how many times, I don't know why, in this spot right here, um, not that there's something significant about this spot, this is just where it happened, right? It is, is I would feel this strong impression from the Lord because when I go pray, I'm not just there to go down some list. I'm going, well, God, what you, what's in your heart? What do you want to pray about? What are you doing? And trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit while, while we pray, right? And I can tell you how many times I felt like I needed to rebuke and bind the words that have been spoken over this church and over our lives and that I would have to do warfare to basically just Jesus protect us, give us a covering. And, and you know, and I, you know, and there's that part where, you know, in your flesh, you, you, you want to send it back at them, <laughs> right? But no, 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 Jesus, have mercy on them. Have mercy. Are you all following me? So, so you know, just the, just the thought that what if we begin to clean our heart up and we begin to speak blessing? Let, let me maybe back up and say it this way. What if we begin to actually do what Jesus did? Because that's really where it's at. He's our example. Remember the picture that you had Jesus, not the bad guy, but Jesus, right? <laughs> Standing here. And, uh, you know, obviously we can't say, hey, look at my hands, look at my feet. We can't say any of that. But, but, we, can, but we can recognize what Jesus' ministry is today. And we can learn from it and begin to operate in ourselves. The Bible says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He lives to pray for us. So those moments where our crap comes up, he prays for us. So what would happen if we begin to, and I've been, I've been practicing this since that day on my kitchen table when Jesus forgave me. I just wanted to lay on the ground and cry. I did. Jesus, for, I mean, forgive me. Forgive me. And, um, you know, I always pray I want a pure heart. Well, here we go, right? And so, so but anyway, so what would happen if when so-and-so stuff pops up to us, instead of going, yeah, that's there, going, Jesus, and pray what God's answer is and the solution for their issue. If we begin to bless them and get behind the kingdom and what the kingdom is wanting to do in their lives. Instead of joining the kingdom of darkness and going, yep, that's right, it's there. And accuse and insult and... So so let me... uh, let me say this. What would happen, and, and I'm going to be done here. What would be happen if we actually start supporting one another in greater measures? What, what would happen if we begin to protect each other in greater measures? What would happen if we begin to encourage each other? What would happen if we actually, as the church, begin to show mercy because we need mercy? You know, I, I'll tell you this, and I, you know, I, I, sat, I sat in here Friday night in our worship night. And on one side, you know, I was really proud of our team. And uh, part of me, I was working through this stuff, repenting myself, and just going, Jesus, search me, you know. But, but the other part, man, is, is I could not, could not, could not. I mean, I, Jen and I left the other night. We have not said one word to each other about worship night. No one word. And um, because I couldn't shake the fact that I knew we were, hitting the, we were hitting the ceiling all night. Yes. 
And, and, and the reason is, watch this, is it's not, you know, um, I, I don't know, I don't almost super spiritualizing thing, but, but, but it's the fact of this, man, there's a lid over this place, and it's gotten, it's gotten thinner, it's got, definitely gotten thinner, thank God, but man, we need a breakthrough, and, and, the, and the only way we're going to get a breakthrough with that is having pure hearts. You know, I, my, 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 one of my favorite verses in the Bible is, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, where they shall see God. I want to see Him. I want us to see Him. <laughs> right? And, and so I'm just thinking, man, what if all this stuff we've been talking about lately, religious spirit, poverty spirit, confusion, uh, this junk today of just, uh, not just guilt, but, man, the accuser of the brethren, what happened if we just uh, evict all that mess from our hearts, man? What can happen in this place? What can happen in our lives? So, so here's what, you know, for me, and then i got to get done, is, you know, we, we started that, that fasting and prayer, you know, whatever, a month and a half ago, whatever it was, uh, you know, 20 days before Easter. And I knew it was right and I knew it was God, but I didn't know how right and how God it was for me personally. Yeah? And I'm telling you, it has been, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but man, it's been so good. But but I'm telling you, it is. I felt like I've been drugged through a gnat hole at the same time, right or whatever, wherever this redneck saying is. <laughs> not hole. There you go. Look at there. You're not even redneck. You're from California. So, right, yes. So so listen. I, I'll just say this, man. I repent to you. There we go. I repent to you. As your pastor, not living that. Wasn't planning on saying that, but uh, man, listen. Let's let Jesus search our hearts. Right? Let's let him search our hearts and let's just get right. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for you. I, I want to do something today, but I want to do something maybe in a, in a different way. If, if you're, I'll just make it really simple. If you know that you're not right with God in this place and you need to get right with God, come find me before you leave. And I'll pray with you and we'll square you away and we'll start moving in the right direction with God. Okay? What I mean by that is if you need salvation. If you know that, that you stood in that throne room and, and, and Jesus couldn't say, hey, I did this for him. And the enemy had full access to say, here's all this crap. And God said, yep, he's guilty. Okay? If you're wanting that divine exchange, come see me today. All right. Other than that, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come up and just kind of play. And, and I'm going to pray, dismiss you if... Um, if you need to go, feel free to go. If you need to find an altar in your own spot and just get your heart right with Jesus, if you want to come here and pray, just do that. But I'm just going to ask today that uh, we, we would be aware and not get up and just start talking all loud and, and kind of lose the moment. Okay? So these guys are going to play, and we're going to do personal business with Jesus. So, Father, we thank you today that you're a good God. That you're good. That you're good. Father, we thank you for the divine exchange that's happened. And Lord, we want to um, we want to be willing to extend the same grace and the same mercy to people that you've extended to us. And uh, Lord, so often we don't. And Lord, today we just, in our own heart, in our own way, God, we repent today. By repent, Lord, we mean that we're turning from that. God, instead of cursing, we're going to bless.
We're going to bless them. We're going to, we're going to be more like you, and we're going to bless people. Father, we want to be a people that know how to honor each other and love one another and not trip over who people aren't. God, we want to honor, for who, honor them for who they are. And so, Lord, today, just whatever you need to do in our hearts, and, uh, Lord, whatever you need to do in this church, God, to break that lid so we can have an open heaven, a, a true open heaven over this place. Lord, we're asking that you would do it. Just as your people, God, we, we want to be people who are pure in heart because we want to see you. We want to know you. God, we don't want to be held back. say one thing and it came up when I was studying and it's just it's coming back up now you can just keep your eyes closed um, I think there's somebody here today that your guilt your own self-inflicted guilt has been said like this uh, man I have wasted so many years I've wasted so many years and because your guilt that you didn't get right with God sooner the fortunate part is, is you're not allowing God to redeem the time because you're staying in the past when you need to just thank God that it's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. And you just need to start running after him and let him do what only he can do. He can do more in a year than what you could do in 20. So Jesus, just today, uh, just search your heart and know us. God, any way that's in us that would want to point the finger, insult, or fault, fine. God, get that stuff out of us. Rip it out, God. So, Lord, we bless you today in Jesus' name.